Look, guys, I know the pandemic was hard on a lot of us. I get it. I really do. But now it's time to get back to normal. And what a better way to get back to normal than to go back to sporting events, to return to concerts. I mean, I already can't wait to start adding to my bucket list with each of those type of avenues. And what a better way to do it than to go through Megaseats.com. This episode is brought to you by Megaseats.com. And honestly, since the pandemic is over, these are the biggest things that I'm looking forward to. And the best thing about Megaseats actually is that the price that you see when you purchase a ticket for any of those events, that's the price you pay. How many times have we went to other third-party sellers and found out, oh, wow, that's a great price. But then you click on it and then a service fee pops up and then something for like the candy wrapper of something you might buy or maybe the wrapper for a straw is what they're going to charge you extra for because you got to tip the popcorn guy. No, 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 no. That doesn't exist with Mega Seats. You see, at Megaseats.com, the price you see is the price you pay. Unless you use code SSAW Network. That's right. You go to Megaseats.com. You see a concert that's coming up. You click purchase. That's the purchase price that you get. And then you put in the code SSAW Network, and they take 10% off of that. Go to Megaseats.com. Get back to life. Use the code SSAW Network and save 10% in the process. Let's go. Good, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cover Zero podcast. Today of this recording, it is Tuesday, October 26th. I'm joined today by Josiah. How you doing, bro? Oh, man, I'm doing hella good, bro. Hella good, bro. You know, had a great weekend at the Raider game, so, you know. Give people, like, your, uh, like, what are your, just your, your like, instant takeaways just from that stadium, a game in Vegas, and what's, what's that like? I mean, you know, it's crazy, bro. Just a quick breakdown. You know, I could talk forever, but just a quick breakdown. For one, I didn't even, you know, I was one of the Raider fans that just hated the move. Like, when it was announced that we were moving to Vegas, I just, I couldn't picture it, couldn't picture the name, none of that. But you know what? When you walk up to the stadium, bro, when you walk into the stadium, it's, it's all Raider-like, bro. You're going to feel, you're a Raider fan, you're going to feel right at home. I mean, Mark Davis really outdid himself there, you know, having that design done to it. And then just the atmosphere, atmosphere alone, you know, I was telling you before we started, you know, I, I've been to the Coliseum. LA and Oakland, been to San Diego. I've been to Raider games. And this one's no different. You know what I'm saying? This one's no different. You know, to us, at least the section I was at, you know, we were we were rowdy. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, just the the vibe, the energy that Raider Nation that we bring, you know, it's 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 not like a regular football game. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I've been I I've seen different teams play, not the I've seen other teams play and it's it's different, you know what I'm saying? And then obviously when you're winning and whatnot, it, it just it brings more to it. And you know, I mean, now obviously, and that's another thing too. We deserve the stadium. Although I didn't want us to move, you know, I felt like if we moved, it can only be LA just because we've been to LA before. But at the end of the day, we did deserve a new stadium. And this is home for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like nice. You could just tell. 
so yeah, I really enjoyed myself, man. Uh, I can't wait to get back up there, honestly. Yeah, I'm going to probably make it up there 2022, 2023, something like that. But man, yeah, can't wait. And that was, that's awesome to hear that. It's just, it delivers on what it looks like when, yeah. you know, everyone's checking it out online. So Today we have a packed show for everybody. We got five different topics. We're going to get into the Sunday night preview as usual. Also going to have a game of the week in the middle of it. Granted, when buys go on and just kind of how the slate has been the last couple of weeks may not necessarily be as jam-packed, but there's always good football to be played on a Sunday and throughout the course of a weekend slate. And especially considering what the Thursday night slate is. I mean, usually we kind of got to play sell me on Thursday night football, but uh, <laughs> Thursday night football sells itself this week with the Packers and the Cardinals meeting up. And we're going to get into that for sure. But before we get to that, we will also be hitting you with our fantasy football return of the fantasy chase tonight. He will be joining us later. But to start it all off, considering it's a trade deadline is one week away from today. The guy that's been dominating the trade deadline rumors is Deshaun Watson. And as it stands right now, there's been a lot of buzz about Miami getting him just with kind of the lack of progress that I guess was anticipated for Tua and just how the team is not looking like a lot of people have expected. Mm -hmm. This is again surfacing. Where are you at on Deshaun Watson being moved before the trade deadline is upon us? I'm like in the middle now, man. I might be, I don't even know. Actually, I might be more 60, might be more 60, 40 as far as 60 being him being moved. At first, it was more on the, on the back end, just didn't see it at all. Just because of nobody, teams not really knowing, you know, his status. But I said, that, and I remember talking to CJ about this on, in the chat months ago, probably like two maybe about two months ago, you know, um, and we both, I got where he was coming from and I agreed. It's like, you know, how can you make a trade? How can any team make a trade? They don't trade. They don't really know what's going on, but I really feel like these teams and they're going to do their homework and they're going to know more than we know. You know, even if they don't really know, maybe they, they, they got some type of insight or, or something because the trade deadline, I mean, the, the Deshaun Watson being traded has not died down. It's, it's, it it only grows as the weeks go on, as the days go on. It grows as okay. This is a, this team is a possibility. This team's a possibility. This team's a possibility. You know, and the teams that I've heard, I could see, I could see that. I could see that happening. Miami, obviously, being the the number one destination. I mean, they they their season is probably already lost in a tough AFC conference. Them already, I think, what they've lost six games now, seven games, six or six games. So I mean, they're they're already in trouble. So I don't even know if the trade really makes that much sense for them. But teams that may still be in it, kind of, you know, Carolina, Denver, you know, uh, uh, I've heard New Orleans, I've heard Pittsburgh, you know, Philly. I don't think Philly is in it either. I think they need to see what they can do with, with Jalen Hurts. But the rest of the teams that I named outside of Miami, those teams could 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 make a little run with him still, you know. So I'm interested to see what happens. I'm more now, like I said, on the 60, 40, you know, 60% that he gets traded, you know, um, before the trade deadline. I am at a hundred, I'm at a hundred percent zero that he gets <laughs> traded before the deadline. <laughs> I, I don't, we would know, we would know much more than what has to play out by then. As far as if I'm an NFL GM to be able to trade what the Texans are asking for him. Right. Like the Texans have not changed their asking price for Deshaun Watson. Like if Deshaun Watson was was eligible and there wasn't this whole entire, what was it, 22 civil suits, 
10 criminal complaints against him on top of all that. I know. I mean, so that's 32 different areas of legal matters that are going to have to be sorted out as far as possible punishment, what, what could ever come from that outside of the league, and then whatever the league might want to do to him as well as far as stopping him from playing. So I, I just don't, I don't know how an NFL team can, A, fork over all of those draft picks, which so far it's like, what, three firsts, maybe second, potentially some players in place of the other, the other mid-round picks or wherever they might be. But that's just so much for a guy that we don't know is going to play. And right now, I mean, there there's corroborating stories from two separate women that have been found out through text messages that weren't sorted out in a court of law. This was just handed to like different journalism sites, gaining information about the situation. Granted, that's two out of 10. Three of the supposed 10 or the alleged 10 uh, criminal suits that he has against them, criminal complaints by women alleging sexual assault. Three of those are stating that it is full-on sexual assault, and which is, uh, what was it, in the state of Texas? I guess it's like penetration without consent is what, along the lines of what they are stating in regards to alleged sexual assault. And then these seven others are, are, what is it, they're alleging it's indecent assault, which then that goes into the lines of a misdemeanor within the state of Texas. The other three sexual assaults go into a felony within the state of Texas. So if he gets found guilty on three felony charges, I, it's possible this dude could be serving time away from the NFL. I just don't well, see he will be if he get Yeah, if he gets three of them, you know what I mean? Or if they, if they settle outside or what, you know, there's, there's so many things we could see, you know what I mean? Like Antonio Brown had the sexual assault case that was in every reach court. They settled outside of court. But Deshaun Watson has stood firm, as have those women. They have stood firm. And then he's going to be doing time. So it's like, for all of this to sort itself out within a week, I don't see any way that it happens. Or maybe not that the legal stuff sorts itself out, but for a team to be like, all right, I'm going to give up A, B, C, D to acquire this guy without all of that sorting out in the next week, I just don't know how you do it. So why are they uh, – and I get it. Rumors are rumors. Media is – you know, they're going to hype up you know, different topics and players and teams and all of that. I get it. That's their job. But it's just, I don't understand how it keeps popping up. Like, you know, it just seemed like at any moment and we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. We'll right. find out and we're, we're going to see, you know, I agree with you though. Just to let you know, I do agree with you. It's just mm-hmm. because of it hasn't gone away. And because it just seemed like if it hasn't gone away as of now, what do these teams that are really in the mix if they're really in the mix, maybe they're not. Maybe, again, maybe this is just, just all media. I, I don't think it is. I think a couple of teams are really, really, you know, in the mix for it and have done the research. Peter King said he talked to the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, and he said he is not in the Deshaun Watson deal, not pushing his people to get involved in the Deshaun Watson deal right now. That doesn't kill it by any means, but I think it kind of just maybe puts a wet blanket on it occurring before the trade deadline, so... But we know how. That's true. That's true. Uh, I guess he could have had no comment or something like sure. that. You know, so I, I get what you're saying. But I, I, like you said, at the same time, I don't think that 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 really says a whole bunch. It does say something. It's like, okay, you know, maybe not them. But then it's like, is he really going to come out and just say, hey, look, you know, yeah, we are in the mix, <laughs> you know, um, because they got, they got a young QB there. That's another thing, too, with them. They have yeah. a young QB there that I, I know Dolphin fans are 
hasn't really been that excited for it because he hasn't really played up to par, but he's still young. You got to let these players develop. But I think he knows that. Ross knows this, so he can't just come out of nowhere and just say, yeah, well, you know, we're in the mix or whatever. But, I, again, he could have said no comment or something. So for him to completely say we're not in it, I can see where you're coming from a little bit, but I still think, I don't know, I, I still think they're doing their homework on if they haven't already. I can tell you this, actually, they probably already have done their homework. They're probably mm-hmm. just doing extras, you know, just to find out. But even with them, though, like I said, I think for them to do it, I really think it would it would be stupid for them to do it because, mm-hmm. like you said, it would be any it would be dumb for anything to do it because nothing is figured out, at least that we know. Right, right. Uh, but with Miami, their their season is over, in my opinion. I, I don't see, like I said, I think they have they have six losses. I, I just in a tough AFC. I think it's over for them. So you trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you you win some games. And that's if he plays. You know, you win some games or whatever. But it's not like it's going to – it's just too many uncertainties. Mm-hmm. But, right. I wonder if these rumors – and they, not wonder. I would, I would be willing to bet. Let me put it that way. I'd be willing to bet that all of these rumors of it keep arising are from Watson's camp to try to maybe put right. pressure on another team to pounce – to create urgency for teams that maybe aren't in the mix and that have kind of, you know, hinted at wanting to acquire him and what that might be like and kind of trying to get more insight than what is like you're saying, what's available to the public right now. But with me, I feel like that we would know a little bit more than we do now. Like even like not even us, but like ESPN and SI and those guys like that, there would be a little more clarity, just maybe a little more as far as knowing what's ahead, but still at that same time, even if there is, you get these owners that just want to be like, F it, all my chips in. When do you ever have the chance to acquire a quarterback of Deshaun's caliber and Deshaun's age? But then on the other side of that coin, it's like, how do you then sell it to your fan base? We bring in this dude who's got all this legal stuff facing him. How do you sell that to the media and to like your, your sense of morale and, all these things in 2021 with the state of things are, it's just, it's really right. hard. Yeah. No, that's, you know, true. No, that's my fault. Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard with all of that to convince your fan base to give up the capital that it would take to acquire him that, yeah, this is the good move. So you know what? that's a really good point. One last thing I want to say before mm-hmm. we into everything else. Now I will say this, I get where you, where you're coming from with the fans. But to me, I think certain fans from certain organizations might, for the most part, be, okay, I'm okay with it. You know, I just yeah. want to Oh, that's for sure. And I think Philly is I one stick in the same team. I'm the same team. Because I've seen fans. I know a lot of Philly fans. I've seen them kind of be like, oh, well, that's the same Philly fans that's for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> it's the same ones. It's like, well, you know, hey, yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I could see that fan base and no just the ones that are not, I'm not saying that they are for, you know, the sexual harassment and all of that. I'm not saying they're for that, but just certain fans, it's not really, they're either thinking that it's not true or they're just not, they're just more like, oh, I want to win, win, win. I'm not really thinking about that, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Both ones, but the ones that don't want it, obviously you're going to get some in that fan base, but I really think for the most part, the majority of Philly, I think they would be okay with it. Pittsburgh would be tough. What about Denver? I mean, it, it, he helps. I mean, he's such a good quarter. Like, just, you know, it's tough to say, like, you know, stuff aside. But, like, Denver, I mean, 
Philly's the one that stands out just because of we it's it's been seen how that fan base is just like win at all costs, period. And if this is a way they can possibly win more whenever it is that Deshaun Watson plays, I think Philly fans that I could see that fan base being the most accepting of it. They were the first one that popped into my head too, like literally two seconds before you said that. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, Philly. I would have Philly, and then Denver. I'm kind of like, I'm not sure how they would, how they would feel about it, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's you know, as we know, I mean, fan bases are so big and so vast, and when you ever take that many type of people and you put them in like one bucket, you aren't going to have like-minded thinking out of all of the, you know, there's a million fans of a fan base, or you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Right, you, you know, you're it's, you're going to have people on different sides on different issues, and that's just that's just the way the world works. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but um, I just I just can't personally for me like like both you and me as GMs, we ain't doing this if we GMs. You know no, I mean? not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. So yeah, I just I want to I want to see more stuff sort out. That's all. You know, let's 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 sort it out. I don't. Again, I'm not an expert on the legal process, and I know it takes a long time to sort these things out. But it feels like we are right at the same exact juncture we were at back when this stuff first arose months and months ago. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We can move now into probably, man, looking like what's going to be the best Thursday night game yet, apart from Dallas and Tampa to kick the season off. Right. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. But even despite like having, you know, maybe not some top build organizations and ball clubs that a lot of people are going to be looking at when the 17 game season ends. I do think we've had competitive football nonetheless on Thursday for the most yeah, part. I was going to say the same thing. It might not be teams that everybody want to see, but the, the games itself have been pretty solid for the most part so far. Right. hundred percent with that. And I think this one, if there was one that was going to maybe not, live up to what we expect from it. It could be this one. And the only reason I say that it's not that either of these teams aren't for real or that they aren't fun to watch. It's just, this is kind of a bad time for the Packers to be catching the cards just with what we've heard recently over the course of this last week and where they are at with their injuries on the team. Devonte Adams tests positive for COVID as does defensive coordinator Joe Barry. And so now this means they're going to be going into this game without David Bakhtiari, their all-pro left tackle, without Jair Alexander, their all-pro corner, no Zadarius Smith, their all-pro pass rusher, their center, Josh Myers, is now on IR, no D coordinator, don't Devontae. I mean, that's just, this. it's a lot to do, especially on a short week. And, you know, no excuses. If, if AZ wins, AZ wins. You know what I mean? No excuses there. But right. this is the only reason why I could see it maybe not living up to the billing that we expect it to with these two ball clubs. And so as we go into this game, the line did shift. Once we found out that Devontae Adams wasn't playing, it went from cards as a four and a half point favorite to a six point favorite right now. So as both teams come into this one loss between the two of them, of course, the Packers hold that one L and the injuries that we have brought up and the COVID situations that's going on. How do you see this shaking out for the Packers on Thursday? I don't think, you know, you brought up some, you brought up some really, really good points. First of all, you know, that which you, when you, you said that this game may not live up to the expectations. And I think, like you said, and adding on to it, it's really because these are two really, really good teams. The Packers haven't lost since week one, so they're on a six-game winning streak. The Cards obviously are undefeated. 
And sometimes these games just don't live up to the hype, just in general. Even if Green Bay was more healthier than, you know, they are currently, these games sometimes just don't end up, you know, the way we think they're going to end up, especially on a short week for, for both teams. Yeah, and then when you add to it with the Packers, man, I mean, they got they just got so many injuries. They was overcoming some of them, you know, the, the David Bakhtiari, we, we know about him, but now, you know, Dom, uh, Demonte Smith, although he's not injured, it's the whole COVID deal. That's a big loss. That's a huge loss because if anything, you're looking at like, okay, the Cards is going to put up points. You know, you want to at least be able to keep up with them. I mean, Green Bay's defense is not great. Even with Joe Barry being there, they're not they're not great. They're 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 solid. Right. They're, they're they're cool. They come. You know, they, they're the bend, don't break type defense. And I don't think that's good enough against this Cards offense anyway. But it makes it worse when your top coordinator your, your, or your top play caller on that side of the ball is missing. So that's a big deal right there. And then just the Cards are just – and it really shows how good the Cards – I mean, if this was Green Bay going against, you know, the Browns or something like that, not making it like Browns not a good team, but because they're also dealing with injuries, then you kind of could – okay, well – you know, they probably can get out of here with a win. But we're talking about the best team so far, record-wise on paper, mm-hmm. you're going against. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it makes it – it's not just what the Packers have lost and what they're going through, but it's how good the cards really are. I think to really start off, man, Green Bay, you know, they have to really neutralize neutralize that pass rush, man. They have to – because, you know, Arizona, they're about to get – they're about to get after Aaron Rodgers and – you know, he doesn't play that well under pressure. And I know some people say, well, you know, who what QB does. But there's QBs out there that are pretty good with the blitz. Not a bunch of them, but they're they're pretty solid. Aaron Rodgers have never really – he's never really been that, you know. And he's had his fair share with injuries as well, you know. So you want to make sure that that's not going to not gonna bother him throughout the whole game because if so, this could be an ugly loss for Green Bay, you know. And, and I really feel like they have to – they have to find I, – I think – and see, it'll be hard to really get the run game going. I think if they can somehow get the run game going, that could help out some. But it's just tough when you're going against a really tough cards D-line, you know. So I, I really – honestly, I don't see the I, – I don't see the Packers win. I, this could be a good game, but I just don't see this really being that good, great of a game. I just Do you don't. have the cards covering that six-point spread? Well, let's see. I got the cards 20. Let me say that. I want 33. 33, Green Bay, 24. 24. Still putting up 24 on them. Okay. Yeah. Just because, I mean, they, because you know, one thing I thought about, bro, they might be getting Marquise. Scatling, I think. Oh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah, they might be getting them back. I know yeah, now he's, it's like he's, we yeah, he's a, yeah, as we record you right, it's it's up in the air, but it's it's pointing that they could. Pointing yeah. in the direction. Yep. But that's a, and he's a big time, he's a big play guy. I'm not, he's not, obviously he's not Devontae or anything like that, but now he's he, a burner, you're right. He can make, you know, he can do he can get field flipping type of receptions. Yeah, so that that may work out in their favor. You know, that may work out in his favor, or in well, Aaron Rodgers' favor and Green Bay's favor. So I'm going to assume – I'm going to think he plays. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say they still put up – it's even tough for me to say this because I think they put up more than 17. I definitely think they put up more than 17 points, 14 points. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say 24. I'm going to say 24. Okay. All right. Could be uglier than that, but I'm going to say 24. 
yeah, I think we see, as you had mentioned, to go back to one point you had talked about in terms of the Green Bay defense and just losing the impact players that they've been without for the last few weeks with Jair and Zadarius Smith. Yeah. This defense did do one thing better, I think, last week against Washington, and that's that they, 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 they tooled up in the red zone in a way that we have not seen them do defensively in a long time. I didn't even know this until I was like watching part of that Washington game last Sunday when they were playing against them. And until that game, the Packers had yet to have a single red zone stop the entire season. Every single time an opposing offense got into the red zone, they scored. They were scoring touchdowns every single time. It was like 15 straight times that the opposing team got into the red zone. The Packers defense allowed a touchdown, 15 consecutive trips to the red zone. So if they were getting stops, it was outside the 20, you know, forced the field goals, whatever like that. That is a streak that had never occurred since you and I have been alive. <laughs> it's, I guess, not, that's crazy. You think it's like since like 1940 or something crazy was the last time we saw a defense go that long of just allowing teams to get inside the 20 and put up six. So, but they did it last week against, against the football team. And I mean, say what you will about what it, what it means to do it against the football team. But we're also talking about a team in the Packers that had played against the Lions, that had played against, you know, the likes of the Niners and Chicago. So just, you know, for everyone listening, just put that into perspective of what it means when that's something you haven't been able to do. And then they did it four times against the football team, stopped them in the red zone, including one on a fourth down. So that was just something to get off their back a good, uh, yeah, a good showing and just, you know, be able to be like, no, we got this. We good. And they and they 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 tooled that up and had a pretty good outing, only allowing 10 points to Washington. We've seen them put up points on other decent defenses throughout the course of the year. So how I think this game, though, goes on Thursday from a Packers standpoint is, as we record this again for the third time, this is, this is a Tuesday. We need to go into that caveat because if Devontae Adams somehow, it's so unlikely, but because he is vaccinated along with Joe Barry, if they have two tests that are both negative, 24 hours apart, prior to Thursday, they can play. The likelihood of testing positive on Monday and then negative on Tuesday and then negative on Wednesday or like Wednesday morning negative, Thursday morning negative, that's so unlikely. It's just so unlikely. So, so yeah, we'll just have to go, with, go into it with that they're not playing. And because of that, I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Aaron Jones yeah. as far as who the that's, Packers are going to lean on. Right. And I think that also plays into just what, what Arizona's weakness is. Arizona has not necessarily been very good against the run. They've been allowing five yards per carry, which is the second most in the league as a defense, but it's their passing defense that's really came through and the coverage as well as their pass rush, just like you, you alluded to. Third best pass rush grade, according to PFF as a team, and then the second best coverage grade, according to PFF collectively as a team. So I think that's especially when you're, with, you're without a, not only just an all-pro receiver in Devontae Adams, but without the, the one guy who is far and away the best dude on that receiving core, and it's really not close after that, you know, just with anybody being next to his level, that's going to be able to be enough of an advantage, I think, for this Cardinals defense to have a lot of success as well. The Cardinals aren't without injuries completely themselves. Rodney Hudson hasn't played for the last couple of weeks, but their backup center, Max Garcia, he's been real solid. He's been real solid, and I think going against 
going against Kenny Clark and Rayshon Gary and those dudes that he's going to be facing in the trenches, he'll be able to hold up just fine as he has throughout most of the time that he's filled in for Rodney. So this game, also Chandler Jones is going to be coming back too. And him coming off the edge, going against Elton Jenkins, who's been like the utility offensive lineman for the Packers since they've had him playing, that's going to be a pretty dope matchup. And I want to see how Elton does against him and JJ. But overall, yeah, I'm with you. I just don't see how this stops the Cardinals from rolling. Kyler Murray is going to continue to have going to continue to have a lot of success being one of the best quarterbacks in the league and right now right in the MVP race just as much as probably anybody is. And this was something that when we had started our ICU segment in the year, I think you were one of the first to allude to him and just what we're seeing from Kyler Murray in 2021. And it's even showing more in the last three weeks. His legs are not the primary weapon that he's using. Sure, he might change his launch point, evade some pressure, but then reset his feet and launch a deep ball that's completed in such a tiny little margin. But then on the next play, he's throwing on time, on target, within the structure of the offense, perfect bullet pass. He leads the NFL right now in terms of the percentage of on-target throws right now, according to Pro Football Reference. It's, it's very impressive right now. It's very impressive what he's doing. And you said at the start of the year, and we all agreed with you, his arm strength is very underrated, and that's what's really carried this offense to where they are right now at 7-0. So give me the Pack, or not the Packers, give me the, give me the Cardinals. I like, it's funny you said, I don't think I see them scoring 17. But I wrote down 17. You wrote down 17. <laughs> I wrote down 17. I could see another field goal coming in there, 17 to 20. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll, let me just say 20. It just always seems like NFL teams scoring a little bit higher every year, every, every season. Just, you know, it's such a long game. And it can be one of those games where we look back on it like, oh, it didn't seem like they had 20 just with the way the game unfolded. You know what I mean? Philly still, the Raiders smacked Philly up all up and down the field, and Philly still scored 20. Still made it right, right. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. So let me, call it, let me call it Green Bay 20, Arizona 31. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with it, too. Yep. And so we will be back shortly with the Fantasy Chase. You're listening to the Cover Zero podcast. What's up, guys? It's Jordan. And there's two things that I have to drink every day. And no... One of them is not craft beer, but that's water and coffee. Every morning I have to have a cup of coffee. This episode is brought to you by IamWiseCoffeeCompany.com. I tried the Caramel Trust, the Morning Equity, and the one thing that stands out most to me about both of them is the quality. Wake up in the morning, turn on a game, fire up some breakfast, and pour yourself a cup of I Am Wise Coffee. Go to imwisecoffeeco.com, enter in the promo code COVERZERO, save yourself 10%, and the quality will be there, guaranteed. All right, we are in here with the return of the fantasy chase. To help everybody out, I hope those listening with your leagues that you survived the Week 7 apocalypse and hopefully came out of that on top, or at least, if not, you took it on the chin for one week, and now you're going to come back strong for the rest of the season. So here to help you do that, 
we're bringing Chase back in, and we're going to start that off with our start and our sits of the week. So let's go ahead and move to the start section for the quarterbacks first. Chase, who is your QB start of the week in week eight? You know, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. The last few weeks, you know, under Frank Reich has been playing, you know, he's starting to get it back to his, not quite his MVP form, but how he was under Frank Reich previously. And the past four weeks, if you were to guesstimate, how many touchdowns and interceptions would you say he has? In the past four? Yep. Let me say nine to one. Eight to zero. So, Eight I mean, he, he every, the last four weeks, two touchdowns every game, zero interceptions. He still has the fumbling problem, and, you know, that's something that Carson Wentz always will have. But against a soft Tennessee defense and a game that I'm sure there's – I'm sure there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. I'm looking to take Carson Wentz uh, as a, you know, you can find him on waivers in most leagues. Uh, and it's a game that's projected a 51 over under. I think I'm going to go with the over on this game. So I'm I'm really looking at Wentz and I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah, I, I like to see that he's getting back to his old form, even though he's not with the Eagles. I'm still a Wentz fan. Nice, nice. Yeah, it just seems like Carson Wentz fumbling and trying to make crazy things happen and refuse to go down. He'll either fumble or knock on wood. Just seems like that's what causes him to just have problems. Yeah. You know, hope he doesn't get hurt in the process of that again, too. So that's the start of the week going to Carson Wentz. Who's your sit at the signal caller spot? You know, Taylor Heineke, uh, since that Kansas City game, doesn't be, hasn't been performing uh, like I thought he would be uh, right now against Denver, who's, you know, a pretty solid defense. I'm going to sit him right now. Uh, it's kind of hard to find sits for quarterbacks, especially with so many out, uh, you know, missing Russell Wilson and stuff like that. Uh, personally, especially in your super flex league, you're really not sitting any starting quarterback that you have the option. But uh, I'm going to sit Heineke in one QB leagues. I'm going to look to other players like, you know, Wentz. Uh, Cousins is already probably going to be rostered on everybody's uh, teams already and already going to be starting. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Heineke. Wince, let's say not let's say not not wince. That's a bad one because I feel like he's available in a lot of leagues. But if people are like sifting through different options that have been working the streamer, and let's say it's Ryan Tannehill and a Kirk Cousins, which guy do you like this week between the two of them? Oh, give me Kirk Cousins against Cousins. Dallas. You know, I feel like that's going to be a high scoring game. I will say Trayvon Diggs. You know, he it's crazy. The last time I was on here, I was saying Trayvon Diggs. You know, stream Dallas defense because he's going to you know get a pick six, and he actually did get a pick six that game. <laughs> he sure did. Uh. But I do like that matchup, though, just scoring-wise for uh, Cousins, and I would go Cousins over Tannehill. Just Cousins may lo- or Tannehill may look like he's back to his form as he was last year, but I really need to see it in you know more than just one game. Sure, that's understandable. Moving on to the running back position, I actually uh, have a a question for you. Oh yeah, no, what's up? In four point per uh, four point per passing touchdown leagues. Name the one quarterback that has not scored less than 20 points in a single game this season. Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Wow. <clears throat> Kudos. Put that yes. box on. Thought so. Just thought so. Like the rushing yards, the usage, the passing touchdowns and garbage time, like, you know, it that all counts for fantasy. Big plays, you know, I could just I could it, see it, it. It doesn't it's not good football, but it's great fantasy football. And uh, until last week, uh, until Mahomes had that god-awful game, Mahomes was the only other quarterback that had scored at least 20 points in every game. And then after mm-hmm. that, I was just like, I was like, and then still somehow Hurts managed to put up 20 points. So I was like, this feels gross, but you got to start mm-hmm. him every week, you know, and especially now against Detroit. But, you know, I was just, I was like, wow, that's, 
it was kind of shocking to see that he was the only one. Yeah, I had I had Sam Darnold in a league, or I was playing against Sam Darnold in a league where I started Patrick Mahomes, and the the quarterback performance and scoring was just awful. In, At least it was kind of like a push. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like three and a half points each. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Moving yeah. on to the to the yeah. running backs though. Uh, start of the week. Uh, who do you have? I'm going Khalil Herbert. This kid is on fire. So against one of the best run defenses that has been allowing, I believe it's 3.4 yards per carry to running backs all season, mm-hmm. uh, Khalil Herbert averaged 5.6. Okay. So, and then it's not just that. He also had all five of his targets for an additional 33 yards. So let's just tack on points right there in fantasy. And then Herbert has carried 18 times in, uh, or more in all three of his starts, yielding at least 75 yards in each one of those games. Nice. So, nice. And rushing yards, not, not counting any of the passing things. Uh, as long as Montgomery's out, Herbert is, in my opinion, a must-start at this uh, point. You know, Even despite you know, the terrible offense that's going around, uh, Fields not living up to par, uh, Herbert is a, the brightest spot on this team. Nice. Yeah, I had to in that uh, bipocalypse that we were enduring last week. I had to start Allen Robinson. Just found him on the waiver wire and put a prayer to it. And well, it wasn't yeah. exactly answered. <laughs> to put it, <laughs> you, mildly. you know, he's not even like I was like, you can't even put Allen Robinson on a sit list or anything like that because I was like, he shouldn't be rostered at this point. Like, no, yeah, no. It's there's just too much receivers that are having decent enough years to be rostered and used that. You can just no longer do it at this point until everything else that's wrong with the Bears sorts itself out. Exactly. So, yeah. So unless you're in Dynasty League, Herbert is the only uh, only player I want on my team. What about Khalil Herbert versus Javante Williams this weekend against Washington? I'm going Khalil Herbert. I want Javante Williams to blow up. Every week I want him to blow up. He's one of my favorite running backs. He's one of your favorite running backs. Yep. And I was like, the guy is a beast. However, he is still getting significantly less snap counts than Melvin Gordon every week. So every week he's, uh, you know, right at 48% and uh, Melvin Gordon's at 58%. It's about a 50-50, but it's weird because they're not using him all the time. They're not giving him any more than 14 carries in a single week. I just don't understand it. Like, he is the better guy at this point in the career. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It blows yeah, me I mean- away. Last week, he had, what, five yards per carry. They only gave him the ball four times on the ground, and then he had six grabs for another 32 through the air and scored. So, I mean, his touchdown salvaged him, and six grabs always works in a PPR setting. But you're right. The usage just isn't where you want to see it for a guy of his talent level. Like, like he said, he has two touchdowns on the season, and Melvin Gordon has three. And, you know, they're, they're splitting time up, but the, it's roughly a 60-40 split. And why that sounds good, fantasy purposes, that's not good. I don't want the 40% guy. I want a guy getting 60-plus percentage. And I mm-hmm. bet you if you flip those snap counts between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, you're talking about a every-week RB2 with Javante Williams. However, we're not seeing that yet. I don't know what why Fangio isn't committing to him. Ugh, man. I, like, yeah. it's it's so hard because I was so excited about Javante Williams. And then just, just to see this happen, I was like, oh, he'll be, beat out Melvin Gordon. And he's done more than enough to beat him out. It's just you're not seeing just, it. Yeah, for some reason, Fangio ain't giving him a chance. I was like, I was like, this kid is gonna be a star. Like, let him be a star. Those teams, like you know, obviously you're not making a trade with Kansas City, but there's teams out there that could use a running back. 
why not trade Melvin Gordon to one of those teams, you know? Mm -hmm. Get something in return. Get a fourth-round pick in return, you know? I'm sure some team would do that. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, I think, a market out there. Some team to do something for him. I mean, Seattle, they could use, you know, help in the running back game. They they could use help, uh, you know, at quarterback. They use help a lot of places. Yeah, right now. <laughs> they could. <laughs> Uh, well, moving to the wide receiver, the pass catchers this week. Start of the week as far as a wide receiver. Who are you looking at? I'm going one more time back to Indianapolis, and I'm going uh, Michael Pittman Jr. versus Tennessee. I Tennessee like that Tennessee is giving up the most points in PPR to uh, wide receivers. And Michael Pittman, this is going to be a game that they're going to have to throw to stay in it. And Michael Pittman, I think it's going to have a game. In the last four weeks, you know, or I believe it's the – or last week he was four for four, 106 yards, mm -hmm. and the week before it was kind of a down week. I did trade for him off of that week. You know, it was a buy low for me. Someone was, you know, okay, so I went and made a trade, made a deal. Uh, I moved Kelsey, but I got James Robinson, Michael Pittman, and C.J. Uzama back in return. And it was a team that you know I was desperate at. Uh, you know, I was right there on the border that you know being a playoff team or not. You need mm -hmm. to get some wins. Dealing with the buy apocalypse. So I moved Kelsey for that, and it wound up being great because Uzama balled out. You know, thank God. Yeah, he sure did. He has these certain moments where he gets like he channels his inner Gronk, and it's just big and huge and fast and and scary. Yeah, like just making making stuff happen in that in that Uzama smash. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no. So it's one of those things. I I love Michael Pittman. Uh, I love his future. It's even with uh even when uh. Hilton comes back healthy. It's Michael Pittman's team now. I think he's done enough to put the stamp on that team to show, hey, this is what it is, and this is how it's going to be in the future. Right. Like, and Pittman is that big. Like, I think, you know, T.Y.'s game was always being the, the lid lifter. He could work in the intermediate portions here or there, but he loved his speed. Yeah. And as he's got older, that's just kind of slowly but surely deteriorated itself, and you just need to go to a, a big body jump ball guy someone that Carson Wentz trusts. We all saw him when he was in Philly throwing those to Alshon, and now you get a more spry young dude whose skill set is very much the same as Jeffrey's was. So, yeah, I yeah. like the Michael Pittman one. And, and what's crazy is Michael Pittman has only – he's been uh, 12 points or more in PPR scoring in every game except for two, week one nice. and week six. So, obviously, he's building that chemistry with, uh, with uh, Wentz. Uh, between week two and five, he had at least seven targets in each of those games, uh, 12 targets in two of those games. The last two weeks, he only had three targets and four targets, but he made those four targets count against San Francisco, which, you know, says a lot because that, that was a good team, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was that was a very good game by Indianapolis. Heck, even the game against Baltimore, Indianapolis played a great game, and it just wasn't their day, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it sucks. staged a series of crazy, crazy that, comebacks. That, that last comeback, man, like that last, I was like, oh my God, this is, I was like, oh, well, this sucks because, you know, as I said, I'm rooting for Wentz in this situation. I was like, and then Lamar just did Lamar things. I was like, that's gross. Like that's, yeah. I, I will say they should have called a timeout on that last drive, you know, like, you know, after they got like two first downs and they were just, you know, destroying them. I was like, you need to, you need to stop, you know, you reassess the situation and they didn't stop it. I was like, you don't stop it. They're going to score. And it's not you know, like, you're not winning this game. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, just let it happen. <laughs> so moving and, to the sit on the receiver side, who are you putting on the bench? I have a doubt that this week it will be AJ Brown. Oh no! I remember that was your last sit. <laughs> yeah, AJ Brown was my last sit. He ended up doing like 16 points that week, which was nice. And 
I was trying to buy low on AJ Brown too everywhere too because I was like his schedule gets a lot softer uh, going forward. I'm like you know, especially in dynasty leagues. I was like I've been trying to get him everywhere, but it's been mm-hmm. impossible. So you got to sit uh, Tyler Lockett. I almost wrote DK Metcalf. Uh, I will say I have one other sit uh, DK Metcalf. Just I think he has a higher ceiling, but the same floor as Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith passing. But Tyler Lockett, I feel like, is very capped at his ceiling with uh, Geno, mm-hmm. and I feel like. You know, he's not going to have that big playability like DK will have. So I'm going to sit uh, Lockett versus Jacksonville, and I don't feel great about it. However, there's one other player that he just doesn't tend to do good against this team, and that's Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore with the New Orleans Saints. He sure doesn't. It, it's just, it's, I mean, they, they, watching yeah. them duke it out is great <laughs> football. It's great football watching them duke it out. Like, it's entertaining. I love it. It, you know, it's gritty, aggressive. You know, they're taking shots at each other. But Mike Evans, the last game he had scoring more than 12.9 points in PPR was 2018, week one of 2018 at that. Damn. Okay. So it's just one yeah. of, it's, it's just one of those things. Lattimore and him, they just – I think it's more of a personal level with him. And, man, I, I think Godwin's going to be the play this week uh, for yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah. Just because yeah. Lattimore is clearly going to shadow Evans. You know, that's mm-hmm. They always put him on the big body. We saw him on Monday night only really surrender that one huge play to DK Metcalf, the 80-something yarder. Yep. And, yeah, but beyond that, it was just Lattimore won that matchup. And whether or not that's more a representation of what Geno allows DK to do, nonetheless, with Brady two times last year, it was the ghost of Mike Evans out there every time that they had Marshawn on him. And, you know, Everybody has their one person that's their kryptonite, and that's Mike Evans. And, you know, I I have a signed framed Mike Evans jersey next to my desk right now. Like, I've always been a Mike Evans fan. You know, he's the uh, I believe he's the only player in NFL history that has started a career with seven consecutive 1,000-yard uh, seasons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a feat, you know. That's not easy to do, clearly. And, I mean, Mike Evans is just, you know, just a different type of animal. But, again... You know, you go back, or, uh, yes, yeah, so seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons That's from nice. 2014 to 2020, and then right now he's on pace to do eight seasons. Right. Yep. He's been, been very productive his whole career. Yeah, very productive. We'll move to the tight end position. This is often a hard one because, you know, you can find guys that pop, and it's easy to find guys that don't. So to find someone who is going to pop on a week in which there's no Darren Waller, no Foster Morrow and no Mark Andrews. Who are you looking at at that tight end spot? I already touched on CJ Uzama, so I'm actually going to move uh, to someone who actually did really good, and he's going to play on Thursday night in his debut with uh, Arizona last week. Got to go with Zach Ertz. He had the longest catch of his uh, touchdown catch of his career. I Arizona. saw that. That surprised me. It was what forty-seven yards, right? Yeah, and 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 it surprised me. I was like, wow, he hasn't had longer than that in Philadelphia. But, but I could kind of long- thinking back, like that kind of makes sense. That's like you know, fifty yarder, like you know, thirty what, yarders and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Sure. But what's crazy is Ertz has never been the touchdown guy. He's been the like you know a PPR guy, like and that's right. just always what he's been. And I mean, going back throughout his entire career with Philadelphia, the most touchdowns he's ever had in a single season was eight. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy has the NFL record for most receptions in a season, and that was in twenty eighteen, one hundred and sixteen receptions in a single season, but. Mm-hmm. I just what I saw from Arizona with him, I was just like, "Wow, Ertz better be happy that he just went to the best team in the NFL right now, and they are ready to feature him." Like 
not they didn't even hesitate. The fact that he came in, only played 49% uh, percent of the snaps and still had five targets, and that they were like, okay, we're going to you. They even gave him a rush. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. No, that's so, crazy. Uh, I, I, was, I didn't get to watch the game. It was a box score, but they said uh, Zach Ertz rushed for four yards. That, it was from I the, wonder if I, it was like it, a it was inside the Yeah, it was inside the five-yard uh, five line, and he rushed, and uh, he got to the one-yard line. Okay. And I was just okay. like, what? I was like, what is this? I was like, I was like the fact that I was like, okay, you're giving some tight end a rush inside. I don't know if it was a, you know, like kind of a shuttle pass thing or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. Shuttle pass, they would call like the forward yeah. passer. It's like, it's like, you know, like a, like a lateral or something, whatever it was. Yeah. It's just weird to see them. Like if, but if they're using him that way, all the more, the more reason you might want to. And the fact that you're giving him, him those know? opportunities like that. I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You know, like especially inside the five-yard line. You know, that's the place where Kyler Murray, you know, that's where he thrives at to rush in. So it's like, if that's the situation, I was like, I like that they're getting creative. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's why I'm going to start Zach Ertz. And hopefully okay. he can, you know, be some somebody that you can pick up. I mean, he's rostered in 79% of leagues now. But I want to say before last week, he was only rostered in, I want to say, like 30% of leagues. It was low because, yeah. I mean, he just hadn't been doing anything. Yeah, no, check the waiver wire in your leagues, ladies and gentlemen. See if he's yeah. still out there. If he is, catch people sleeping. He's available in one of my leagues, and I have Kyle Pitts. And I'm like, well, I might just drop, <laughs> you know, somebody else just to, you know. Use like, one at the flex, the other at the tight end. Yeah, that makes yep. sense. I'm just like, I like, what do you do at this point? You know, uh, okay. Yeah. Who do you sit at the tight end spot this weekend? I'm going Mike Gusecki versus Buffalo Bills. Oh, that's my guy. I have him in all of my leagues but one. Oh, waiver he, wire ad. He's one of my top guys, but man, he's just—it's scary. The Buffalo Bills are like—I want to say the best team against the tight ends right now, and they are just killing it. And I will say, the past two weeks, despite uh, Miami losing, Tua has been playing pretty decent, you know, fantasy wise. Fantasy wise, yeah, he has. Yeah. So, but Buffalo just—they've only allowed one touchdown to tight ends all season, and that was against Kelsey. And even then, or no, I apologize, two touchdowns because they allowed one to the Washington football team as well. But I just, man, I don't see it happening. And heck, what was it? Uh, week, uh, week two, you know, Gasecki, three receptions, 41 yards versus Buffalo. And that was at home in yeah. Miami. That's, man, I, I don't know. Unless Tua balls out, which I don't think he's going to ball out against them. Uh, Bill's defense has been solid. Yeah, against good teams too, like, like good teams. Mm -hmm. Been solid, solid. So yeah. we can move to the flex spot. Either any other position between the running back, tight end, and the wide receiver. Is there a flex in this week? People are maybe scrambling to try to still stay stay relevant as the we're moving into the mid portion of the season. Who's the start of the week at the flex? I think you gotta go with uh, Kenny Kenny uh, Gainwell or Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell. I added him. I put in a waiver claim today for him in like two out of my two out of like four leagues. How come they finally started using Sanders? Six carries it like you know. I want to say in the first what two drives, thirty yards, looking good. You know, okay, like they started off strong, and it's not RPO runs. They're doing designed runs. Designed like, runs. Yep. And I was like, finally, it's gonna be good. Injury. Crap. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there. I was like, when that happened, I was like, I don't even want to watch this game anymore. 
Like I was just like, I'm yeah. Like, as a Philly fan, if I were you, I wouldn't have either. Yeah, I was just like Derek, Derek Carr over there throwing the ball blindfolded and completing it, dude. You know? Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, uh, uh, Josiah was at that game. Oh my God! So I I, I forget the stat, but I want to say Philadelphia. Aside from the game versus Sam Darnold this year, every quarterback has had less or less than eight incompletions against Philadelphia. Mm. Eight incompletions, wow, or less. And Derek Carr had three, and I was just like, uh, "Okay, like, <laughs> okay, this sucks." He had a streak of sixteen, I think it was. In yeah. that game. Bing, 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 I mean, bing, Philadelphia yeah. is terrible. I will say they need they need to fire Howie Roseman and the coaching staff. Jeffrey Lurie needs to do a clean slate all the way across. I would take Chip Kelly. Oh, I would take Chip Kelly over uh, Nick Sirianni right now. N- no joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chip had a great start. He had a great start in the NFL. Yeah, a lot of people forget they had a great start. No, he, no, I remember. Fizzled out quick. Right, that part. I, I mean, <laughs> you know what? At least it gave me some glimmer of hope. I don't see any glimmer of hope between Nick Sirianni, uh, Nick Gannon, anything like that, or uh, Gannon. I'm I'm just like, yeah, this is this is terrible. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, but, to so to to stay on the on the negative train, but maybe not on the side of uh, Philly. That is, of course, starting Kenneth Gainwell, just with what happened with Miles Sanders, and just how Gainwell has been used, even when Sanders was there. I totally get that. Now, as far as another flex, though, that some people might be thinking they're going to fire up this weekend, who are you putting on the bench? Oh, who am I putting on the bench? I do want to touch on. Uh, I do want to talk about one other possible start. Oh, uh, for the flex, like, okay. Yeah, for the flex. It, as long as he's playing, I'm starting him. But Kadarius Tony. Yes. So, especially against Kansas City on Monday Night Football, please God, let him be healthy and let him just ball out. God. The guy's I electric. Just, I was telling Josiah before this started, like, who would have thought this would have been like a, we got to watch this game because if Kansas City loses, I mean, the panic button's kind of already been pushed. If the, if they Mahomes lose this does game. does not I mean, look like himself. Like, he looks like a ghost right now. So, yep. maybe, maybe his maybe his baby's keeping up, keeping him up at night. I don't know. And he's, he's frustrated that everybody else is getting the Patrick Price. I don't know. <laughs> that that was a good one. I like that. Yep. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh All so right. yeah, Tony and Gainwell. I like it. I have Tony in two leagues and I put in for I put in for uh put in for Gainwell in another. Who are you sitting flex wise? That that's a tough one. That's that's always gonna be a tough like at that point on flex uh spots, I'm trying to think of flex players that I'm just not that into right now or that I'm you know, if you're desperate, uh let me tee it up like this to you. So, would you start LaVisca Chenault or Corey Davis? That's gross. I'm, I'm going to go LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault over yeah. Corey. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench Corey Davis. I, I just, nope. Okay, Corey Davis or Rondell Moore? I'm going to go Rondell Moore. I like Rondell, though, so that's kind of. I do, too. I like yeah, him a lot. I actually like him a lot. That's Jordan's boy right there. That's yeah. my guy. Uh, Tony was Josiah's guy when we were free draft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved a lot of the wide receivers in the draft. Like Tony, uh, I like uh, Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore. I like uh, yeah. Rondale Moore. Uh, 
I like Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, you know, clearly. Uh, but, man, there was a lot of talent of wide receiver in this draft. And, I, you know, uh, Rashad Bateman was one of my top wide receivers. Yeah, we and like I him. I am so excited for him, man. He's only had six targets in two games, or, or 12 targets in two games, six each. But I love the fact that he's already, you know, coming in. Uh, the second the second most snap counts among wide receivers the first game back. And I was like, bet. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that helps some people out on the flex department as to who to keep, who to, who to put in there, maybe who to go ahead and bench. We can move into the streamer section of the week. Usually this is always, always, not usually, but this is always a spot where there's a defense to look at. And as everyone listens on Thursday before the game start, who should they be going to the waiver wire to try to pick up for their defense this week? So Cincinnati versus the Jets, I think, could be a very uh, good bet, especially who's uh, the Jets quarterback going to be for sure this week. It's not, either what was that one dude's name like Flacco or White? Fla- Flacco or Mike White? Yeah. When I saw M White on the box score, I was like, "Who did?" I was like, "Wait, who?" I was so like, do you I ever do you ever watch The Wire? Guy. Either of you watched The Wire ever? No. There I was don't. a dude in The Wire named White Mike, and so like I kept calling him White Mike, like because they called him in The Wire, <laughs> but his name is Mike White, and so it was like M White, you know, or you see like last name first sometimes, and I'm like. What is this dude like from the wire nigga? Anyway, because I never heard of this dude before ever. So, but you're, to answer your question, I don't know who is, and I don't really, really know if it matters. Yeah, uh, but no, uh, especially with the way Cincinnati played against Baltimore last week. Yeah, I'm starting uh, Cincinnati versus the Jets. Uh, they're 15 percent uh, rostered, so you can go and add them and put them in your lineup. Start them this week. I have a waiver in uh, to put them in in the one of the two leagues I have a defense uh, defenses in. Uh, Chargers versus New England. I'm going to go in and uh, put them in. Uh, I think that could be a very low-scoring game. I don't see a lot of, well, low-scoring on New England side, so that's kind of where I'm leaning there. And then lastly, I got, this is, this may sound weird, but, I mean, you know, with how, with the injuries and everything like that, I'm going to start Jacksonville versus Seattle if I'm desperate enough. Huh, okay. I mean, Jacksonville's not a good defense, but I don't see anything from Geno. He's passing 22 times per game. The rushing doesn't seem to be all that scary for, you know, Seattle. So, Well, and teams they, are just like, we saw it last night. Like, they're just dropping eight in the box, bringing the safeties down. Like, yeah. And just like, even they're even not only daring Geno to throw, they're daring Pete to call a pass play. And he just doesn't want to. Why haven't they traded for any quarterback? <sighs> It's a there, good there's, question. Better, there's better options out there. You know, like, it's funny. I was talking to a Seattle uh, friend of mine that's a Seattle fan. And I was like, hey, y'all could go make a play for Cam Newton. You know what I mean? And they did bring him in to talk about signing yeah. him. And I don't know, you know, we don't know necessarily how that conversation went. But the C- the Seattle fans that I've talked to, they don't want that dude. And after seeing Gino for two weeks, I don't know how you could at least be asking for something different because this clearly is not the answer <laughs> yeah so they're like no we'll just rather lose and then get a better draft pick or whatever it is by the way i want to tell you all about my bad beat of the week uh on uh my prop bet parlay so i had a five leg parlay this week for two dollars and fifty cents uh payout is 398 for joe mixon to score a touchdown check cordell patterson score a touchdown check damian harris to score a touchdown check Zach Ertz to score a touchdown, check. Dallas Goddard to score a touchdown, oh, two-point conversion, crap. 
<laughs> I swear, dude, I was so mad about that. I was like, they didn't target him at all in the red zone until the two point conversion. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Damn. Okay. I was yeah. hot. That's those parlays, man. Just one, just one. A friend of mine, I remember, uh, I was on a bachelor party. Shout out Brian Adams. We had his bachelor party. And his, he's like talking to his buddy. He's like, yeah, no, Jordan, football's his thing. He's got a podcast. Da, 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 da. And so he's, his friend's asking me about this parlay he's got. And the part, the final part of the parlay was Arizona beating, or Arizona, not Arizona, but uh, Minnesota beating Arizona when they played in week one, week two. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like the Vikings in that game. And if that kick was just 10 inches to the right, dude would have won like 750. Oh, wow. But missed. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like, I was so excited for it. And I was like, come on, just garbage time. Let Dallas Goddard get a, you know, break away for a touchdown. I was like, no, this ain't happening. That was the only reason I kept on watching that game was I was like, at this point, just hoping Dallas. And I was like, when he got the two more conversion, I was like, this blows. I was like, this is awful. I was like, man, mm -hmm. I, I was I was not thrilled. Uh, but other streamers I do have. Uh, okay. Cole Commit versus San Francisco. He's been, you know, starting to get a lot more usage. Oh, tight end for the Bears. For the Bears, yeah. Uh, he's starting to get, uh, get more usage. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking at five targets, four receptions uh, in week six, six targets, uh, five receptions in week seven. These aren't great stat lines by any means. I mean, you're, you're barely talking, you know, double-digit uh, fantasy points right now in PPR, uh, just under double-digit. But he's starting, starting to trend up. If you're desperate enough, you know, he's starting to get more usage, and it's not going to be great, you know, yards per catch. You're looking at, you know, roughly 8.6 yards per catch is what you're going to expect. But hopefully he's going to get, like, five receptions. So, you know, just kind of if you're that desperate, that's somebody I'll go in and stream. Uh, Michael Carter for Cincinnati versus uh, for the Jets versus Cincinnati. Michael Carter's been trying to make up for lost time for the start of the season, so it looks good there. Another guy I feel like is just the more talented back in the backfield. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the the past three weeks, the guy has put up double digits each week, uh, touchdown in two of those three weeks. And in the reception game, he's starting to, you know, come along. You know, he got nine targets last week, eight receptions, 67 yards. Uh, he did have a fumble loss. That sucks. His yards per carry uh, isn't good. He's like a three yards per carry guy. But let's face it, in PPR scoring leagues, you like my boy DeAndre Swift, you know, my, 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 the, my guy of the season, you know, like that I told everybody to draft. Uh, Michael Carter's, you know, starting to, I'm not saying look like, uh, DeAndre Swift in that aspect, but the fact that he's getting usage in the passing game, you know, how he should be, how he should have been drafted to be, uh, you don't need a lot of carries to be able to get that, you know, fantasy relevance in PPR leagues. You just need those targets and receptions, and that's what he's starting to show. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, all right, yeah, that's a lot to get people through the couple of bye weeks that we have this week. Not necessarily as bad as last week, and there will be worse weeks ahead. Yeah. Definitely. Like week so, 14, I, 13. Yeah. I think, and I mean, with, you know, having a couple of different flexes, a couple of different streamers, really only two teams, the two, not really only, but only two teams on by, that's enough to get anyone else out there. Unless you have a quick other one, if someone wants to replace Carr, replace Lamar, replace Hollywood, or if they maybe were using Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake, is there anyone else that someone might be able to target on the waiver wire before we move to the final segment of build, building a daily lineup with DraftKings? Or so I, 
what I would like people to do is, again, we already talked about Rashad Bateman. If he's available, if someone dropped him because of the bye week or anything like that, and you have the ability or you have the room to stash him, go and stash him. He could be, you know, a late in the season type of guy, but that could, you know, really start performing coming along. I, I mean, I just really like what I see out of him. Uh, that's the other thing is part of the bye weeks, pay attention to who people drop on waiver wire nights, especially the people that are going to be on buys. Because if you have the depth, if you have the ability to pick up some of those better players that are dropped, that's where you can really start to make a difference in your, you know, win loss column is, you know, being able to play smart and notice, okay, well, this person didn't want to hold him onto him because they're on a buy. I'm yep. going to snatch him up because I can afford to, and it's going to benefit me in the long run. And it's going to hurt them in the short term. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and you've said it for on the show. And to those who took heed to that advice, they cashed in on a few people. This particular week, uh, last week, I had Kirk Cousins in a league because I decided to wait on quarterback. And I had ended up, in the beginning of the season, traded away Joe Burrow since I was just going to stream QBs. So at the start of the year, I traded away Joe Burrow to get a handcuff in Alexander Madison to Dalvin Cook, thankfully enough. But anyway, no one pounced on Kirk Cousins on the waiver wire. And so I was just able to start Tannehill for one week and pick Cousins back up. Nice. So, Very yeah. nice. I thought Cash you were going to say someone dropped Joe Burrow. I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Look, I was like, I was like, he's balling out. And, you know, you know what? Here's uh, my bad beat in fantasy of the week. I lost, you know, because of the bipocalypse is primarily it. But I had Jamar Chase on my team, and I still lost by like two points. And I was like, "Man, you got to be kidding me!" Like Jamar Chase <laughs> balled out, and I lose. I also had Joe Burrow too, and I was like, "He balled out, and I lose by two points." I was like, "Man, this sucks." Yeah, my receiving core in the league where I have uh, Jamar Chase. Before we jump into the DraftKings tournament lineup of the week, my receiving core in that league is Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, and Terry McLaurin. I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm loving it. Keenan Allen needs to step it up a little bit, but he does. But you know, if he's the fourth, I'm good. Yeah, no, without a doubt. If he's if he's your fourth, you don't got problems. Yeah, for, doing first nice. world problems. S- sitting in second place in that tied for the tied for the the best record in the league. So we'll move into the DraftKings lineup, the tournament play for playing daily fantasy. This also would reflect well on FanDuel. That's particularly just that's my preferred place to play. There's really no huge difference. Yeah. It's just kind of what you're used to. But if you're looking at a lineup to set up for people this week, because we can build one here to help you out, what are you looking at if we were to start at the top going with quarterback? Who are you adding? I'm actually going to go with Jalen Hurts this week. Uh, He's 7,200 on DraftKings. I typically don't like to spend that much, but again, he's been the safest play, and I feel like he has the safest floor with one of the highest ceilings, uh, especially versus Detroit. I just think it's a good matchup, and I feel like if they don't win this game against Detroit, something is wrong. Like. That like everything needs to lose that one, man. I I actually personally, (laughs) I wouldn't mind if we lose it, okay? Because that means the Miami draft pick gets that much bit better, or you know, hopefully gets that much better. Because right now it's Miami or Detroit, you know. Yeah. So okay. uh, So and I'm gonna stack him with Gainwell, who you know the price point on him is five thousand. His usage is there. I like what I see. Uh, and that's again. Versus Detroit. Detroit's just terrible against running backs. Uh, my favorite running back to start this week, though, James Robinson versus Seattle. I just love it. Like, the guy has been killing it lately. And, you know, I, I think he's going to come in and ball out. And for he's cheap price point at 6600 compared to some of the other running backs. Wow, that, that is, out there. that's very low. You got, I mean, other running backs 
Derrick Henry, 8,900. Alvin Kamara, 8,700. Austin Eckler, 7,900. Najee Harris, 75. So, I mean, I'm going to take the value at 6,600 for a guy who's putting up roughly 18 points per game. Nice. I like so, it. Okay. Uh, wide receiver, already touched on it earlier. Chris Godwin versus New Orleans. I think he's going to have a good game. Uh, also touched on Michael Pittman, 5,300. The value is just there. That's I think a he's crazy value. Here, here's a guy who I never thought I would say just because, you know, he's only had one good season in my fantasy-relevant season, in my opinion, that's been consistent. But he is averaging 15 points per game and just really killing it. And this is a matchup. And it's on a team that, despite how high they're scoring, they're not running the ball. They're still passing it. And that's Buffalo Bills' Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, he's effective this year. Su- super effective and efficient. And it's, it's crazy because I was like, wow, like 15 points per game. So, I mean, solid. He's 34 years old and he's doing this. I was like, I know. Okay. Yeah. You're, he's on pace aside from yards. He's on pace to uh, set uh, career and touchdowns. And I forget. I couldn't couldn't remember if he was on pace to set his uh, for receptions either. But he is just looking good. Finally. It's crazy to me. Like, it seems like ever since those Denver days, like, you know, you figure once he left. Pittsburgh, maybe he was going to kind of start, and then he went to Denver. He was still looking nice, and then ever since he left Denver, he's still just when you watch him, the eye test and his production this year is up. He just doesn't seem to lack over time. Like he's very consistent over the years, and that's nice to see. Yeah, and I'm I'm loving it there. So, okay, uh, tight end. I'm going to go T.J. Hawkinson versus Philadelphia. I wanted to go Kyle Pitts. I didn't have the the cap to go Kyle Pitts. Kyle, Pitts what is? Do you like, know what Kyle's price is? For DraftKings, uh, give me one moment, but I believe it's 6,400. Okay. Uh, six, it's 6,300, but Hawkinson was 5,400. He's the uh, second, highest, uh, second highest price tight end. Uh, Gasecki was 5,000 against Buffalo. I was like, I didn't want to touch that. Yep. Noah Fant versus Washington. I thought about that, but that's 4,900, and I feel like upside, I'd rather go Hawkinson. I feel like he's going to have like a 20-point game. And other than that, I just didn't see the value. Uh, based off the price point on any of the other players, based off the floor and ceiling, what I was looking at. Uh, Flex, though, I'm going Khalil Herbert. Uh, Your dude. My, man, I'm telling you. It, his price was higher than I was hoping. It's 5400 But you know what? Based off of what I saw, I was like, you know what? I think this guy can easily put up you know, 20-plus fantasy points. And for 5400 I'll take that all day long. Okay. And then uh, defense. I'm going to go the Bills versus Miami, 3300 I thought it was, you know, incredibly cheap. I know Miami's been doing good lately, but, I mean. I, I guess, think like, two is going to at least toss so, one, maybe two to him. Maybe uh, I'm, I'm guessing, like, I'm guessing yeah. two interceptions or at least two total turnovers from mm-hmm. Tua. So, if that's the case, I feel like that gives the Bills the opportunity to score a touchdown. Plus, they, I mean, their defensive line's just been dominant. They got 14 sacks on the season. Uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of them. And. Especially, I mean, heck, week two when they faced Miami, they didn't allow a single point, and they put up 22 uh, fantasy points on DraftKings uh, with one interception, two defensive fumble recoveries, and six sacks. Yeah, just showing so, out. Yeah, and that was in Miami, so now they're at home against Miami. I'm, I'm going to take that for 3,300. Oh, Especially okay. when you're looking at other teams like the Rams versus Houston, 5,100. I was like, okay, that's... That's fine, but if you're looking at the Rams versus Houston, and if I tell you uh, the Bills could get 22 points against Miami for 34 or 3300, I'm gonna take that. I'll I'll take the discount. Yeah, take that discount. Eight days out of seven, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So to conclude the lineup for the week for people who play daily fantasy, if you have not yet, I would highly recommend doing it. Pick whichever one you want. If it's your first time, go ahead and start out with DraftKings because this is a detailed lineup for you to just play. You can risk as much as a dollar for a chance to win up to a million and so on and so forth. And yeah, but the lineup, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, along with Kenneth Gainwell, a running back, James Robinson, best last name in the league as the other running back. Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman, and Emmanuel Sanders round out the wide receiver trio with TJ Hawkinson, the bright spot in Detroit, apart from Dan Campbell's emotion, as well as Khalil Herbert rocking out the flex position. And somehow, someway, the Bills going against Miami are a cheap $3,300. So go ahead and cash in on that either way. Chase, it was great having you back. I know the listeners are very, very happy to have you back, ladies and gentlemen. Always very, very much appreciated when he comes on. I know you are. Appreciate it very much, bro, and thank you again. Of course. Thank you, guys. Hell yeah. All right. We are going to move into one of our two game previews this week. And this one is going to be these two, both of these game previews I, I like a lot. And Josiah, you tabled these two. And after, you know, kind of looking at them and just going into the details and kind of prepping for them and thinking about what we got to say on them, I like both of these matchups since our Raiders are on a bye. Now I got to think of something to watch during the afternoon or morning windows. And I'm thinking both of these games for sure. I mean, the Sunday night game, obviously, which we'll get to with the Cowboys and the Vikings. But, but yeah, right now we're going to start it off with the Steelers at the Browns. Browns are sitting at four and three Steelers. They just had a buy. So they are at three and three right now. Favorite in this game. Who do you, I don't know if you saw the line. Did you see the line? The betting line? I didn't see it yet. Wait. Who would you assume is favored in this? You know what? Actually, I did see the line. I don't remember the numbers, but the Browns. Right. The Browns are favored. Do you agree right. with that? No. Yeah. <laughs> that surprised me. No, I don't. Go, go into why you don't and why that surprised you as well. Well, because the injuries that the Browns have, it, it, again, it's, and, and I get it. They, they got past Denver, but the Steelers is the better team than Denver. I would think. Maybe people don't think that way. I get it. The Steelers' offense is is lackluster. I get it, but that defense is still legit, and and this is a rivalry game. So Mike Tomlin knows that Browns. You know he knows that he knows that team. You know he knows that organization. You know so I he he's going to be more prepared than Vic Fangio was. So I I just don't see it. They have a lot going on. Baker did not practice on Monday. That's 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 not good. Mm-hmm. Now they may get Nick Chubb back. That's 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 a, that's a good move if that happens. That's that's a good move. But see, Case Keenum is good as Case Keenum can play in spurts. He's not a, uh, and I'm not trying to go too deep into it. You sure. Know, he doesn't really. He's not one to pass the ball deep. You know, he's not. You know, he has a lot of underneath throws. He can be accurate at times, but again, they're really underneath, and I think that really limits their offense. And when you're going against a really tough defense. Like Pittsburgh, I just, I, I just don't, I, I don't see how that's really going to benefit them at all. So I, I don't see how the Browns is really, you know, favored in this game at all. To be honest right. With you. No, I'm 100 percent with you. I figured the Steelers would be, just because there seems to be, even though it may not be the team that we are familiar with in terms of knowing how the Steelers blitz and Ben Roethlisberger and all that. There's just a little bit more continuity with the players that they went into this season with. Being at your disposal to use 
And anytime, especially when it starts with your quarterback, we all know just the quarterback just can impact the game so much. They have the ability to pack the game so much. And when you have a backup, like you said, with Case, and it's exactly like you said, they don't throw the ball deep with him. And we saw, granted, it's small sample size going against Denver, you know, on a short week, whatever, whatever. Maybe that changes a little bit. But Case, it's not like Case is unfamiliar with Kevin Stefanski's system. People got to remember. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I know you know, but people got to remember, like, this dude came from Kevin Stefanski's system when he was in Minnesota, and Kevin was the offensive coordinator. Right. And we saw Case that year throwing the – I mean, granted, it wasn't the best, but he was putting the ball deep (laughs) in the general vicinity of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. That's true. You know what I mean? And – we had that crazy play against New Orleans that year, which resulted in a huge play and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just it just seems so weird to me why he wasn't throwing that ball downfield. That was that game right then and there. That was the lowest average intended air yards from any quarterback we have seen in any single game this year. The game on last Thursday night, just with how that game was called. Yeah, it was like average intended air yards was like two point something yards which is extremely low extremely low but yeah no how do you though so with the with the line being in the place that it is how do you see this game unfolding with these two squads meeting right now i got the Steelers, bro okay <laughs> I, I got the Steelers. i, I, I you took it. a long pause you know why you know why though because, well because i just was i just thought that if I thought the line would have been favored in the Steelers just by a small margin, just a small, small margin. So for it to be at a – what is it again? Three it's point at three and a half. So the Browns, a field goal five. and the hook. Yeah. So that just – that surprised me. That just surprised me a little bit. But this game can be a little closer than what some – I mean, because if you're still a fan, you're probably thinking like, oh, we're going to come in this game. We should – we should dominate, you know, again, like I said, they know their offense is not that good, but their defense is really damn good. And the Browns offense is, is weak right now with a lot of injuries. So they probably feel like they could take advantage of that. But at the same time, like you just brought up, you know, Case Keenum did play in Minnesota and he was under Kevin, Kevin uh, Stefanski. So he can, he, he knows that system. He knows how it's, how it's ran, you know, but he's not generally, he's not somebody that's going to just be, slinging a rock, you know, downfield, you know, throughout the whole game. Now he had, he, he, he's, he's done that at times, but he's not somebody that's going to really do it consistent. He doesn't have the arm. Yeah, that was, that was his MO in college at Houston, but since he's right. been in the NFL, it's been different. That hasn't been, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this game turn. I don't expect that to happen, especially against a really good defense like this. That's another thing. It's not like he doesn't really do it. Again, he's, he, he would be, if he does it, he would be doing it against a really good Steelers defense. I just don't really see it. So I was shocked by the numbers. I thought the Steelers would be favored by a little bit just because of the injuries and the weak, you know, uh, offense of the Steelers. I thought it, you know, it would bounce out, but still by the Steelers' favorite by a little bit. And it's in the Browns. But I got the Steelers winning this one right here. Let me see. Uh, man, this is going to be an ugly game right here. I'm going to say. 23 to 17 Steelers. 23 17. Uh, I do like Nick Chubb coming back. If he, yeah. If he plays, that that could but see that's the thing though. If you can't really open up the 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 passing game, like I mean, if you're just all underneath throws and that's what they're expecting, that's if that's what they're if they if that's what they see, 
it's not going to – the running game is really not going to open up that much because they know that Kevin Stefanski is going to want to run the ball. I was so, surprised. You know, Were so you they're, they're gonna, oh, sorry to cut you off. I was surprised. I was going to ask you about this since you're going into that. I was surprised how well the Browns with – you know, they had Jedrick Wills back on the offensive line and they didn't have any of the backs. I was surprised on Thursday night how well they ran the ball against Denver. Were you? I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely was surprised because Denver is still good. You know, as much as we, you know, we go in on them and whatnot, we've always for a, for a very long time now we really respected their defense for sure. And you sure. just didn't you just didn't see that happening with Case. Matter of fact, we picked Denver to win the game. We all so, did. We all picked Denver to win. The <laughs> we game. all did. So, yeah. So you know that that was yeah. It was definitely surprised. It was surprised me that they won. It was it surprised me that they was able to run the ball the way they did, especially with both of the runners out. Like you said, it did have Jedrick Woods. That's a big help, but still, I just – Jedrick didn't even look like Jedrick, you know, like against pa- – in pass pro. Once you got him moving forward, he was kind of the same dude. But, yeah, man, I didn't I didn't see that coming. Mm-mm, not at all. And that was impressive. That was that was impressive. You know, that was impressive. But then you're starting to – that's what I'm saying. We're going to see what Denver do this week, not to get off track, but we'll For see sure, what sure. they do because they've had a they had a terrible loss versus us, and they come to the – you know, they, they play the Browns, and then that was – you know, we thought – and I and the Browns was favored in that game too, weren't they? They were favored in that game, I believe. So you know that. So I get it. We we went with the upset on that one, but I just didn't think it would have been that too much of an upset if Denver would have won. But going back to them, just real quick with Denver, mm-hmm. if they lose this game, you know, then you're starting to question really just everything. The staff, Vic Fangio, who I I've always liked, but I told Denver fans, you know, I just didn't think. I don't. I didn't. It's not that I think I wasn't sure if he was really fit to be a head coach. More of a D coordinator type. Yeah, more of a D core. And that's nothing, you know, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. He's I right. mean, the defensive coordinator can change can change the game in a lot of ways, you know. Oh, so, yeah. Uh you yeah, can help so a head I, coach, you can help an offense. You yeah. I mean it's so it makes football make beautiful, man. There's so many moving parts. And if you're a key part in the whole entire recipe, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and maybe that's what he need. That's what he's better fit for, and maybe he knows that. You know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna come down and say anything like that. But he might be okay with it. Like if they end up letting him go or replacing him. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that turn out. But yeah, I was definitely surprised by that. But I don't think it happens this week. I just don't. Yeah. Mike Tomlin is gonna be ready. He's gonna have that defense ready, and that's a better. Who would you think has a better defense? Denver, right now, between Denver and or, Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's a good question. Man, you hit me with the first fire question. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, let me see. It's ah, uh, I like. This is just me talking myself through this to kind of figure out where I'm at. Because honestly, don't know. I it's like close. second it's secondary close. wise. I like Denver's secondary. I've been yeah. on this show talking about how that's my favorite secondary in the entire league. Right. Then I think though, front seven wise. I'm going Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, and I guess the summation of the whole parts, I still, let me still go with the Steelers. I would still, I would, damn, because then I'm, let me go with the Steelers. Let me just go with the Steelers. There's just, well, I do like a lot of the Denver secondary. I talked about this when we were going to play against them. There's just parts where they don't use all those guys at the same time. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's only like maybe four of them out there when right. they have six really good dudes out there. Right. You know what I mean? So 
let me just like the defense that we're going to, that I know I'm going to see on the field on Sunday, down in and down out. I, I still like the Steelers. I mean, JJ, not JJ, but uh, TJ Watt is playing better than Von Miller is right now. Cam Hayward, while Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones are balling. Word to Dennis Williams and Irv. Those two dudes are balling. I've always talked about Alexander Johnson, their linebacker. I still think Cam's outplaying them, and I still think maybe Alexander Johnson's doing a little bit better than Devin Bush, but I mean, like, I guess long way to a, a short answer. Yeah, the Steelers got the better defense, and let me go ahead and just, yeah, I would put my hat on them. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I, I would go with still. I like them a little bit more. Great points because I think the secondary is a little bit I, – I would edge Denver. I definitely – I would edge Denver there with the secondary, but that defensive front, I got to give it to the Steelers. Yeah, for sure. I got to give it to the Steelers on that one. But, yeah, yeah, I, I would go with the Steelers. So, yeah, just, just the way TJ and Cam Hayward just, yeah, like, wreck stuff where it's just like this play had no chance right. because of what – yeah, I might as well have been out there playing corner because the play had no chance. You know <laughs> right. I mean? so, <laughs> they got the old secondary looking better than what it really is. So, you know, yeah. And in the secondary, I mean, Pittsburgh's doing something different this year with Mike with uh with uh Mika Fitzpatrick. They're having him play he was like like last year he was mainly just like your 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 insurance policy for the defense, playing as like the furthest back safety, or maybe occasionally he would drop a little bit lower. And play like the 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 strong safety role, you know, right. they shift the safety or play like a robber. That's right. what he would do. He got a pick against Baker last year, early on in the game when he, when they used him as a robber. Normally, you drop the state the middle linebacker as a robber, but Pittsburgh likes likes to use him last year at that at that spot. This season, he's more playing like Harrison Smith, where he might be on the line of scrimmage, he might be in the box, he might be a single high deep. He, you just never know. He's not going to be in the same spot. He might be in a slot corner spot. That's what they're using him as. And he's having he's having an adjustment period, I would say, within that role. He's still he's still Minka. He's still a a a, a exceptional safety to have. And on any given play, he could go ahead and get an interception and take it to the house or completely erase your primary receiver no matter where you put him at. And I think that might be the reason why they put him there, but he's just not quite the same in this role that he was in the role that they had used him previously in. Yeah. So, yeah. But that'll be something to look at in this game. That'll be something to look at in this game. Did you give a final score? Yeah, I think I did. It was 20. I had 23-17. That's right. 23-17. That's right. You did say that. You did say that. Because I remember I was totaling up to whether or not you you had passed the over-under that is set at 42. So you have the under by two points. And you also like the Steelers to not only cover, but win. So, yeah, man, you want to throw five on it. You know, all they got to do is not, all they got to do is, 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 you know, even if they lose, you know, not lose by four. So, but for my take on this game, I mean, the Steelers, that pass rush that we were talking about with Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, not having healthy tackles. I mean, they got Jedrick back, as I said earlier. And he didn't look quite like himself. Maybe he's rounding back into form, especially being able to rest since last Thursday. But Jack Conklin right now is still, he's still up in the air, and there's a good chance he doesn't play come Sunday. And if that's the case, wherever TJ, if TJ Watt is apart from him going against that backup tackle, that's going to be problems all day for Cleveland. The interior offensive line for Cleveland is still intact. They have the best interior offensive line in football right now. 
The only other team I think that might rival them is the Dallas Cowboys. But between J.C. Treader, the center, and the two guards, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, they are just they are who they have been. They are who we thought they were, in the words of Dennis Green. Right. And, right. And, and, and they've been killing. They've been killing. Joel Batonio this year has been the best guard in football for my money, along with, along with Zach Martin for the Cowboys. So, But that's a lot of the reason why I think they were still able to have some success on the ground especially running between the tackles like we saw on Thursday night, even though they were out without their two stud RBs. And as you said, Nick Chubb coming back, that only causes problems for any defense that they got to go face, and it only makes the job easier for Case if he does. But still, the Browns' defense has left a lot to be desired in bigger games, in particularly in bigger games. And the Steelers' offense... They're kind of a good litmus test in terms of is your offense better than them or is it worse than them? I'll bet you're right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, like if your offense is worse than them, that's not a good look. If your offense is better than them, then they can pro- your offense can probably win you a few games. And I think the Steelers are just like right there. Their offense isn't terrible, but it's not good. It's just not good. And the Browns' defense, I would kind of say – the same four. The Denver offense has looked bad as of late over the course of several games, and and the Denver offense wasn't able to move the ball in the Browns' defense with any type of consistency. And I would still say that to say the Steelers, if I was looking at their offense, it's better than Denver's has been. Najee Harris is a very productive back, is a very productive back within his own right and his own skill set. When the offensive line can't create, can't create any space for him, that makes it a lot harder for the offense and puts a lot of the onus on Ben. So it's really going to come down to what Najee Harris can do to open up things just for this offense because a lot of what the Steelers do is just short, quick game stuff, get the ball out of Ben's hands, require him to be uber efficient. And he is not, by nature, a uber efficient quarterback. And so if you're making him be that, then ugh, it's just tough. So, I mean... Who would I have winning? I think the Steelers are a better team. I still think the Steelers are a better team just with what the Browns are dealing with, like you said. Yeah. But I don't know if they're that much better at all. I like this game to be... Oh, man. (laughs) This is a tough one to pick. It is. It's a tough one to pick. Yeah. I didn't write down my score for everybody listening. Obviously, if you can't tell why I'm sitting here stalling. But I'm going to take, you know what, just to make it just to make it fun, I'm going to ride with the fighting Case Keenums. I'm going to ride with the, the, the Kevin Stefanskis just to see if, you know, maybe they can catch some magic in a bottle and maybe squeak out a super close one. I think the Steelers cover the three-and-a-half line, and I can see the Browns maybe winning by, like, let's call it 23-20. Okay. Browns, 23-20. Yeah, like yes. super close. It might come down to a last kick, something maybe even 21, 23. But yeah, I'll say I'll say the Browns win this one. I'll say the Browns win this one. Uh putting Pittsburgh at three and four. That just seems I think that'll be it. I think if Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I, I think if they lose this one, you know, and it's still a long season. It's just that the Steelers are really they're not a great we, – we, we know. They're not a great team. They're, they have their issues on that team. And I just think, like, some games like this where I feel like, again, although we have it as a close game, I just feel like the Steelers should 
get away with this this win. This is a good opportunity for them yeah. because they're not they're they're beat up, but they're definitely not as beat up as the Browns right now, especially at star power. So I, I just yeah, that's true. I Let me go. Like yeah, screw it, bro. I'm, you you're right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Steelers. I'm gonna go Steelers. Same score, Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be close regardless. I I I think it's gonna be close regardless. I don't think it's gonna be anything. You know, I will put it this way. Not just close, but the score is not going to be, you know, anything crazy. We ain't looking at 27, 28, 30, 30. We ain't looking at nothing. Like, I don't see right. that, you know. Have to be a whole bunch of turnovers and things like that for it to happen. Both offenses, I just don't see it happening. It will be close, and that's why I think it'll make for just good watching, you know, just because going to get some really good standout defensive plays. My, I mean, you're looking at right now the two – best for for what I would put down right now the two best edge rushers in the league in Miles Garrett and TJ Watt 2021 going against if it's not you know Jedrick Wills you're going against the backup right tackle to Jack Conklin's backup and then you're going against whoever the Steelers have out there at, at tackle it's just it's not looking good it's not looking good and both those dudes are gonna feast so that'll be something to watch for for sure but to, to move to two teams that I actually think are better than both of these ball clubs, even though one of them in the Vikings, that is, holds a 3-3 three and three record, which is the same as the Steelers. This Vikings team right now, we haven't talked about them a lot on the show. And they have wins against Carolina, Detroit, Seattle, and then a one-possession loss to Cleveland, a one-possession loss to Arizona, and a one-possession loss to Cincinnati. Just tiny little errors and tiny little things that they came up short in that had this team sitting at 500. Who's hosting the Cowboys tonight, or on Sunday night, I should say, who sit at 5-1. and one. Both teams are coming off bye weeks in which the week prior, they both had walk-off overtime TDs in week six. Yeah, and just really, really impressive performances. And we'll start with you again. For the Cowboys right now, actually, no, we'll start. We'll go to the Vikings first, throw it over to them. We haven't really talked about this team a lot. They're sitting at 500. Would you say, since they're even in both sides of the win and loss column, are they trending upward or downward? I would say upward because they seem to be executing better, you know. Um, mm-hmm. that they've had some moments where they, you know, they were close losses. And now it seems like they're starting to turn around where they're starting to, you know, win those close games. You know, they're starting to, you know. And Kirk Cousins, again, you know, he's, you know, sometimes with him you just don't really know. He's consistent for a good three, four, maybe even five weeks. And then, you know, you have games where he's not playing that well. And sometimes it's old line. Sometimes it's just him making critical mistakes. So, you know, but he seemed to be playing pretty well right now. So you got you to give it up to him. But that Vikings uh, D line, that defensive line, man, the way they're playing right now, they are one of the. They're better. dudes on D, man. They look like the names on the back of the jerseys that we've come to know. Yeah, yeah. And last year it didn't look this way, right? And 100%. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. You know, I had them. Vikings was one of my. <laughs> Did favorite. you have them in the <laughs> NFC title game? I close to it. I was I was going back and forth with, with them and the Niners. I think it was, but I definitely had them in the playoffs. They didn't even make that. Right. No, I mean, we had some, we had some, I mean, I said that Washington was going to be the worst team in the league. I mean, yeah, they were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they made the play. I like them. That was one of my 
See, that's been one of my favorite teams over the last last year and this year. Look how bad they are this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just never know. But yeah, the Vikings. Uh, yeah, man, I, they're they're coming. They're 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 coming together. You know, that For defense sure. is what we. Because I I really feel like the way they've drafted over the last couple of years, I really like their drafts, their draft picks, and 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 they were young players, and I think that's what really held them back last year. You know, the depth really hurt them the injuries you know it, it really took a toll on them but this year man they're getting it together and that's one of their strengths of this team and then like I said Kirk Cousins playing really well you know and then even with some of the injuries they're dealing with I mean Michael Michael Pierce obviously we know he's he's one of the better D linemen if not the better better D linemen they have he's out he's done but all the other ones they have you know that's still playing well Del- Delvin Thomason Sheldon Richardson you know James Lynch you know, uh, Daniel Hunter. Yeah, Hunter. Daniel is back, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it took him a while. He was the one that, if I'm not mistaken, it took him a while to get signed, right? Then he, he, he had, signed uh, late. Had, yeah, he had the neck issue in 2020 and then just decided to take the year out with COVID stuff and get that taken care of. And then that signaled the end of his contract. But they did the right thing. Minnesota is a well-run franchise. And they brought him back in and were just like right away, like, all right, let's take care of you. Let's invest in you. Like they they did the right thing by Daniil. And you, I think we're seeing his resurgence this year as a part of that. Because, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, TJ and Miles, they're killing it on the edge. I think the next guy right after them is Daniil this season so far. Yeah. Well, Max is right there too. And then, and then Max, and then Max. I this. It, it's just, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, it's as my all pro goes. Max and Daniil are on the second team when yeah, it drops sure. on Wednesday tomorrow. I'm gonna tell you for that sure. right now. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that D line man, they're they're playing really well, man. So, and then if you look at the now, I will say this: you look at the match. Kurt does play well against the Cowboys. He played well last year. That was a different defensive coordinator last year. This is a more talented team. You know, all the way around, some of those players are coming back, they're playing better, and then some players they drafted are playing really well. So we'll see, you know, because la- the last year matchup was really good too. That was a really, really close game. It was an entertaining game. It was a high-scoring game. You know, the Cowboys barely won, I think, by three points. Yeah, matter of fact, th- 31 to 28, you know, mm-hmm. the final score. And it was in Minnesota too. I think this one – and this one's in Minnesota. In Minnesota, too, right? yep. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Minnesota's definitely going to want to get some, you know, they're going to want to get big, uh, get back on them. So it's going to be an entertaining game for sure, you know. Uh, so that that's as far as the Vikings, they have. I think I know I went. <laughs> you know me, I like to break it all the way down and go all into it. But the Vikings, man, I think what really was changing them as a, or, or a team in general is just really executing. That's that's really the main things right now because they they the games they've lost has been close, and in the other games they they've taken care of business, you know. So this one could be a better game than people think it would be. So okay, yeah. if you want the final, I don't even you know what none of these games actually I didn't have the final. It's just top of the head type deal. Yeah, that's usually how I do it too. <laughs> you know, sometimes I try to get the you know I, I try to get the score down, you know, but. These games right here, I didn't have the score just going off of what I think is really going to happen and over watching these teams play. I'm going to go – well, let me break down the Cowboys just real quick. I'm yeah, no, go ahead and get into it. Up. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think really this is going to come down – we talk about the trenches a lot. I know me and you, we really, you know, 
love talking that trenches talk. Henry the same way. We we really Brandy same way. We really believe in the trenches. You know, offensive line. It starts. Bro, I mean, a lot a lot of plays start there. It starts there, bro. It starts there, and this is a game. It's going to be in a battle of the trenches. You got one of the better O lines in, in the Dallas Cowboys, and then you got going against one of the better D lines in in, in Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings. So. This is really going to be that game where wh- whoever wins that side of the ball, in my opinion, I think is is going to be victorious in this game. I do think, though, the Cowboys is a little bit more – not a little bit. They're more potent on offense than the Vikings. And I think their defense – I'm not going to say their defense is better, but it's up there. It's a lot better than it was last year on both, on both, both units, defensive line and the secondary. I think they're playing – Really good ball right now. So Dan Quinn's really got this defense going for the Cowboys. So he sure does. I gotta give him his I gotta give him his flowers. Yeah, man. He really and I thought that was a great pickup. When they picked him up, I thought that was a really good pickup there because they had some talent there and they had uh some good draft picks. I just thought that yeah, he could really turn this thing around and so far so so well. So yeah, I I, I just like the Cowboys, man. I think they're just a little bit they're a little bit more polished you know, on offense, and I think their defense, although it may not be just as good as the Vikings, I think it's good enough, you know, um, to, to you know, to, to hold them back a little bit, you know, the Vikings, that is the Vikings offense. So give me the Cowboys. <sighs> give me the Cowboys. Twenty-seven to twenty-three, Cowboys would be covering. There are two points that they are favored by, and you would be five points below the over-under combined score of 55 with that one. So Cowboys there as well. Yeah, that's good as well. I like that. I like that. This game I thought was really interesting interesting one to cover because, well, I brought up at the start of this just who the Vikings have played. This is really a spot where they can prove that, look, we barely lost to what's a lot of, you know, as you said, on paper, the best team in the league. Right. The Cardinals barely lost to Cincinnati, who's right. been the talk of the town since right. what they did last week's <laughs> in the top of the AFC and lost one possession by the Browns, who a lot of people are still liking as maybe to be a playoff seventh seed in the AFC, potentially, depending on how things play out. So this is a spot where they can really prove, look, are we just that team that kind of comes up short? Or are we this team that's actually maybe a little bit better than what our previous results have shown? Because they're starting off a very, very tough stint right now coming off of this bye. Obviously kicking it off with Dallas on Saturday on Sunday night in primetime. They then travel to Baltimore in week nine. After that, they got to go play the Chargers. Then after that, they come back home in week 11 to host the Green Bay Packers. When Green Bay is likely to be getting back some players. <laughs> yeah, Jair, certainly Devontae will be back before that. Their D coordinator, et cetera. Right. And, and maybe even uh, maybe maybe Bakhtiari, Zadaria. I mean, that's another topic for another show. But anyway, that's a, that's a tough slate to go through right there. And what a way to start it with a primetime win against the Cowboys. Kirk Cousins this year through six games is playing the best stretch of football. I have ever seen from him right now. Kirk Cousins right now is averaging 295 yards a game through the air throughout the first six games of the season. 
If you look at his just raw numbers, just raw numbers, raw numbers, raw stats, his completion percentage, attempts, yards, TDs, interceptions, sacks, those type of things. He is right there with Justin Herbert, if not better. And Justin Herbert is the guy that everyone's raving about, and rightfully so. I would still have Herbert being there just because, you know, he passes the eye test and all these other things. But nonetheless, Kirk's production, Kirk's production right now, he is the guy that is, I feel like, putting up, putting up numbers and is just not being talked about enough for what he is doing right now. He only has two interceptions on the year, one of which I would even say is not his fault. So really only one horrible pick, and he's completing passes nearly 70% at his rate. He's, in terms of yards per game, sitting at sixth in the NFL right now. I mean, the dude is having a solid year. The Vikings this year, and I think part of that is because of, I don't know if this is just something that Mike Zimmer wanted to be able to incorporate into his team this year, but the Vikings have used a lot more 11 personnel than they did before. 11 personnel being three receivers and one running back. Previously, they like to use a lot of 12 personnel, which is run, one running back and two tight ends, or 21 personnel, which is two, two running backs and one tight end, right? And since they, had, since they dealt away Kyle Rudolph to the Giants, they lost Irv Smith early on in the season to an injury. I think this caused an influx and in usage of K.J. Osborne, who's been a slot receiver that's been very effective for them and played most of his snaps out of the slot. This then allows teams to, be, to basically be able to decide, who are we shifting our strength to? Is it Thielen's side? Is it Jefferson's side? You know, they, they have to just basically pick, you know, if they want to try to shadow over the top or how they want to play one person, you know, or and then be, be able to also account for the slot. And then that's likely putting in smaller personnel packages because teams are going to combat 11 personnel with nickel whereas they're going to combat 12 and 21 with base. Base personnel being generally three linebackers if you run a 4-3, or four linebackers if you run a 3-4. So then once you have these lighter boxes, then that allows the play-action game that they like to get to in the usage of Dalvin Cook to be able to have a little bit more possible success because you're not having to fit the run with the linebacker, you're having to fit the run with the slot corner. So that's where we're kind of, I think, seeing a little bit more efficiency from this Vikings offense this year than we had just seen in leagues past. The defense, as you said, has been getting more back to form as to what we're used to. When the season started, Brashad Breeland, I mean, he was being picked on like a six-year-old's nose, just booger after booger, bro. Like, I mean, it was, it was bad. But him and Patrick Peterson both over the last few games have been rounding into form. Unfortunately, Patrick Holmes, Patrick Holmes, unfortunately, Patrick Peterson is now on IR with a hamstring injury. So it's going to be Brashad Breeland, Cameron Dantzler, and Mackenzie Alexander rounding out the three corners that you're likely going to see. But Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Daniil Hunter, and Harrison Smith, those guys are playing like the dudes that we know. And it's, it's awesome to see. I, just, I love seeing it. Seven fewest points per game in the league allowed by this, by this uh, defense right now playing against the likes of, as I mentioned earlier, Cincinnati, Seattle when they had Russ. It's a huge key. Seattle when they had Russ, Arizona, etc. Cleveland, they put up 42 on the Chargers. You know, I mean, it's not like they're just playing trash teams. So 
But the one area of this defense where I think that the Cowboys are going to have the advantage is when it comes to running the ball. Right now, Ezekiel Elliott is has been more productive on a per carry basis than Dalvin Cook. Both of them still residing as two of the best running backs in the NFL that you will certainly see this Sunday. And right now, that Minnesota run defense has been, been allowing 4.8 yards per carry. Top five or bottom five, I guess you should look at it in terms of how much they're yielding on the ground to their opponents. And the Cowboys O-line has been very effective yet again. Strength on strength. You brought this up as well. Daniel Hunter going against the likes of Tyron Smith. You're going to be able to see certain blitzes coming through that double A gap that Zach Martin's going to look to pick up. And that's going to be a huge component to this game. Just like you said, it's going to be a very, very huge component. But where the biggest difference I think is going to be able to be made over the course of four quarters is just all those Dallas weapons going against that secondary. You know, they're playing well, sure, they're doing great, but those Dallas weapons, there's so many of them, man. And the way Dak is playing and just how he is getting to, to his players and just finding those dudes, making the right reads, and doing stuff at, a, at the line of scrimmage in terms of setting the protection, changing the play, and getting to the right call. I mean, Dak Prescott and Derek Carr, I don't know if they'll ever get enough credit for what they do pre-snap. But those dudes are doing next level shit in terms of how that how that's all playing out. And I'm just loving to see it. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Because not every QB could really not a lot of QBs can't do what they're doing right now. You 100%. Know, those two QBs right now are one of the best QBs that that can play under pressure. You know, and and they don't get they don't get they just do not get talked about that much. So no. you know like people will look up the the passing yards for both of them, and those are up there in the NFL this year. You know what I mean? But a lot of a lot of people just don't know. Like when quarterbacks are the line, you know, five oh, five oh, two three jet, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or just making calls. Yeah. They're like seeing what the defense does and changing shit. Yeah. Sometimes quarterbacks can do that and then they're wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Every time Dak is doing it, he's right. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just I just love seeing that next level football IQ yeah. and putting in the time in the film study to be able to allow it to be on display on Sunday when you take the field. It's real dope. It's real dope. And that's just ultimately why I see the Cowboys being able to pull this one out. There is definitely a chance Minnesota can win this game, especially considering how both of these teams are, the one unsung aspect of this game that could rear its head. The Cowboys lead the league in penalties per game. The Vikings have the fewest penalties per game throughout the course of the year. So if Dallas gets handsy, the refs decide to call it ticky-tack, yep. maybe we could see a different type of result here. But I'm not going to bank on that right now while I sit here and I pick this game. Right. I got the Cowboys as well. I don't think the Vikings are going to get blown out. I think it will be competitive and a cool yeah. game to watch. Yeah, same here. Let me take the Cowboys at... Let me take the Cowboys at 30... And let me take the Vikings at 24. Okay. 30 to 24. Right there, that would sit one point below the over-under of 55. Yeah. Sir. So that is it this weekend from the cover, or this week, I should say, from the preview of what's to come this weekend on the Cover Zero podcast. Be sure you guys tune in on Sunday for the recap show. I will not be attending. I will be taking my kids trick-or-treating. 
afterwards, but you will hear Josiah. You're going to be on, I'm sure, bro. Yeah, most definitely. I think so. We'll have it go. We'll, 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 we'll have a go. Yeah. Yeah. Abe will be back. Abe will be back on as everybody heard him grace the stage for uh, his Sunday. We'll have the return of I See You, of course, as well as What's Going On. Mm-hmm. Yep. Keep it locked to Cover Zero Podcast. Enjoy your Halloween. Stay safe. Floss. Brush your teeth. And support the SSAW Network. Peace. That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements to CoverZeroPodcast at gmail.com. To find all of the links to follow us on social media, and also to find more exclusive content, visit us at tssaw.com. See you next week.